Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. I've got a really special guest on the call today, Jim Ward, who is coming to us all the way from Perth in Western Australia and who has spent over 50 years in the railways, which equates to 53 years and seven months of working shift work. Jim commenced work with the New Zealand Government Railways in 1961 when he was just 17 years of age and worked his way through the ranks as an engineer cleaner, fireman and then as a train driver. After 12 years in this role, he answered an advertisement in the New Zealand paper for engine drivers to come and join the West Australian iron ore industry where he started work with Mount Newman Mining and subsequently stayed for 24 years. From there, Jim transferred to Perth Suburban Trains for a further six years before returning to BHP, which is previously named Mount Newman Mining, for another seven years doing fly-in, fly-out or FIFO work. His last job was with Queensland Rail, which later became Orison, working freight in and out of Perth for six years before finally retiring in October 2014 at the tender age of 71. So to to discuss how he managed to work over 50 years of shift work, I'd love to give a warm West Australian healthy shift worker welcome to Jim. Good morning. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me uh, today. Jim, I know you're a really busy bee. Uh, Now you're all settled into retirement uh, and you've just returned from a holiday in New Zealand amongst many other things. So thank you for squeezing me into your busy schedule. No, I'm, I've been uh, looking forward to it, waiting to hear from you. Great, 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 great. So I guess uh, first things first, uh, Jim, you know, how was New Zealand? Because um, you were actually over there when the recent earthquake hit. Yes, it was um, probably okay for me being born there, but very scary for my Perth-born wife. Uh, oh. She was um, quite alarmed, yes. <laughs> oh, so you'd experienced it before. Yes, yes, yeah. It, right. um, it was quite a heavy shake. Just after midnight, it was. So it woke us up. Um, 
and uh, gave the motel a very good shake. Right. Okay. So whereabouts were you in New Zealand uh, when it hit <laughs> and, and where was the epicentre? We were in Napier and the epicentre okay. was probably two, three, 250, 300 kilometres south. Right. But Napier, of course, has the reputation for New Zealand's worst ever earthquake. So we were a little bit frightened that it was going to be uh, another big one. Ah, wow. Okay. So the furniture rattled and everything around? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And, and the pool, we were next to the pool in the motel and the water, of course, was like a mini tsunami there with the water in the pool going everywhere. Wow. Mm. Oh, my goodness. No wonder your wife was a little bit unnerved. <laughs> I would have been exactly the same because, yeah, I've never yes. experienced it either. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, look, I'm, well, I'm glad that you're okay and your uh, friends and family are all okay? Yes, all good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brilliant. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, I guess, you know, I I shared a little about your story in, th- in the introduction, Jim, but did you always want to work in the railways? I mean, was, was a train driver something that you wanted to do from a young age? Well, yeah, from as long as I could remember. We lived next to a railway siding and when the trains used to shunt there, I used to climb up with the driver and the fireman and I think probably I was four or five years old and that was it. That's all I ever wanted to do. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. What? So, excuse my ignorance here, being a non-railway um, kind of person. So, the, so shunting and, and often probably some of my listeners are, are going to be in the same boat as well because I've got a variety of listeners from different occupations in shift workers. But shunting is, is when they're sort of touching each other. Is that what that is? When the uh, train would arrive, it was a coal siding and they used to come in and pick up the coal wagons and then pull them out of the siding and shunt them back onto the train. And that was it. Yeah, that would be my little ride for the day. <laughs> and you were hooked from then on in. Box. I was. Oh. Those guys were gods to me, I tell you. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. That's Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's kind of like hooking up the next carriage. Is that what? Yes, right. yes. That's what we're talking about. You're uh, taking them back off and putting them back on, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Well, I mean, this is really great because I I don't really know much about the railway industry or the people who work on the railways. As you know, I'm I'm all about aircraft and airports. But can you share with our listeners a typical day in the life of a train driver, Jim? I mean, what like what did you do when you first signed in to go to work? Well, just go back to my most recent job in Perth. Mm. You um, arrive at work regardless of the time, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> And there was always paperwork to check. Um, you'd find out where your train was uh, once it arrived, if it was an arriving one or um, if it was starting from the depot, it was ready to go. It was just a case we were climbing on board, doing the necessary checks, getting the um, calling up the train control, which I guess is like air traffic control. Yeah, and, right. Uh, okay. Yep. yep. And getting the okay to go. It, uh, yep. Great. And yep. so what sort of hours did you work? In Perth, the hours here weren't too bad. We had a few 12-hour shifts, but um, our main runs were, only, were out to Meriden, which is 285 kilometres east, and you'd usually knock that over in five or six hours. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so bad. Then you'd book off in Meriden, maybe for 12 or 20 hours, and come back the next shift. So um, Meriden, uh, Perth was, from a shift worker's point of view, pretty good. 
Okay. Yep. Yes. Quite user-friendly hours. Yes. Yes. Yeah, lots of early morning starts, which I really did like. Anything around two or three a.m. I um I did enjoy those ones. Wow. Did I hear you right? You enjoyed starting at two o'clock yes, yes, in yes. the morning. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's good. So you're obviously a early bird. Well, that's kind of half yes. an hour. Half an, that's really half a night owl slash early bird, really. Too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, um, I used to smile at some of the younger guys would start work at 2am and they'd be absolutely worn out. I'd say, well, look, what time do you go to bed? Oh, midnight. I think, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could start doing that in the first 12 months of shift work and then you realise quickly that you've got to start <laughs> changing your behaviour a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay, so you, you you do all, you get on board and you do all your checks and so forth. Um are you stop? So, was this a freight train? Like, were you stopping? Yes, often yes, freight trains for, for mainly for Kalgoorlie, supplying the mines, mm-hmm. all their um, all their mining equipment, mining like explosives and fuel and everything like that went from Perth up to Kalgoorlie. Right, right, okay, very good. And so, would you be stopping very often? Only um, depending on the amount of trains coming towards you. Some nights you might. Uh, Pass another might pass eight or ten of them. Other nights maybe only two, depending on the traffic coming west on that particular night. Yeah. So your but is the train actually stopping and you kind of get a chance to have a break? Like so, so I'm just a little bit intrigued about how that would work. Yes, you pull into a siding. You might get twenty minutes or so, which was time for a quick coffee and a uh-huh. comfort stop. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I was just a bit intrigued how that kind of works because. Yeah, you, it's like a, uh, an aircraft can't stop and pull over. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you no, can. <laughs> that's right. Yes, we could. Um, we, we had the opportunity to do that, although the first 112 kilometres were double track, so you didn't stop anywhere there. Like uh, a, a what? A, sorry, double, double... Double line. You had two lines, trains coming one direction, going one direction and coming from the other. So there was no stopping on the double track. Ah, uh, I see. It wasn't until you went onto the single line. Then if there was another train opposing, you went into a siding and waited, or he went in and waited, depending on um, how they were running, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. no, um, no doubt, Jim, I would imagine that fatigue and tiredness is something that you'd be very familiar with, not only from just working 24-7, but being able to stay alert just because of, uh, I guess, the requirements of your job. I mean, for example, I can only imagine that looking out into the distance um, day in and day night, quite literally, particularly on those long stretches when you would sort of work out towards the uh, outback as such, would have been quite challenging so what do you, did you do in you know what do you do in those circumstances to kind of help overcome some of that fatigue well of course the the, the secret for all shift workers is to, is to try isn't it and be well rested before you go to work but yep. sometimes that is difficult you know mm. um but i don't know i i didn't have a lot of trouble with fatigue um Okay. Probably because I was a keen. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of loved what I was doing. I got paid for a hobby, so ah, yep. it's probably a little different to a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also trained yourself. You could, if you knew you had twenty minutes in a siding, you could have a very quick 
what we used to call a power nap. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, yep. And the noise of the other train rushing past would make you sit bolt upright. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> and uh, sometimes that was enough, you know, 20 minutes, especially back in the Pilbara days where you're doing the run down to the mine there was 450 kilometres. So, mm. yeah, it was a long way. Mm. Uh, but we had two-man crews in those days, so that did help things a lot. Oh, so you would take it in turns? Yes, you would do four hours each probably at the controls, three or four hours. Ah, okay. Yep, 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 yep. So you didn't kind of ever experience like, um, I guess, sort of eye strain or anything like that? Oh, yes, for sure. You know, you would find yourself, especially climbing grades where you're grinding along maybe at 20 miles and 20 kilometres an hour, you know, you find your eyes dropping. Mm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm. The locomotives do have a, a vigilance system that goes off every 70 seconds. And if that you don't, if you're not roused by that alarm, then the train will stop automatically. So it's um it is a good safety system. Wow! Sorry, do you mind explaining that um, again, Jim? Sorry, it like an okay. alarm goes off when you like when you stop, or if you don't move any controls in the cab when you're going along, if you don't touch the throttle or the brake. Oh, or I the, see. Yep. Uh, Every 70 seconds, an alarm will go. Right. And if you don't respond to that vigilance alarm, then the train will go into, the brakes will be applied automatically and it will come to a stop. It's more like the old, what they used to call the dead man's pedal once you had to drive along with your foot hard on a pedal on the floor. And if you, of course, if you, if you unfortunately collapsed at the controls, your foot came off the pedal and the train stopped. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. But these oh. days, these days it starts off. With a flashing light, if you respond to the light, you can cancel that. If you don't respond to the light, then then a loud alarm starts, a loud audible alarm. Mm. You'd that, ha- you, yes. That's a good idea that it starts with a light, because otherwise an yes. alarm going oh. off continually would probably drive you nuts. <laughs> it would. It would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's brilliant. So what would you find that uh, you would um, eat during your shifts uh, Jim, because I am I'm a, um, studying nutrition at the moment. Well, actually, I've just finished, but um, so I'm quite intrigued with um, the uh, consumption of foods of shift workers for a better way of describing it. What would you tend to eat on your shift? Well, I I probably did it a bit differently to a lot of people. I would try. It was difficult, but I try and keep my meal times almost at the at the normal time. <sighs> Brilliant. Uh, so yep. if I was starting work, say at seven o'clock at night. I would have my hot meal at home mm-hmm. and probably just take um, coffee, have a coffee somewhere on the shift, maybe a, a bicky or a bit of cake, mm-hmm. and um, have breakfast at the normal time the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found it easier that way because I used to watch a lot of guys sit down at one or two in the morning and eat huge meals. I, I um, It didn't look right to me. It's, they, they, instead of having three meals a day, they were having four or five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Wow, I'm. I'm. Well, look, I'm. I'm really super impressed because that's uh, something that I'm. I'm definitely trying to encourage with all of um, you know my clients who I'm seeing because I think you just hit the nail on the head uh, in regards to it is. It, it can be a sneaky way that people don't realise that they are actually uh, eating more. Yes. Yes. When you start, um, yeah. 
So with a 3 a.m. start, I would have a coffee when I got to work. Yeah. But then I would have a breakfast with me, which I'd heat up maybe around 6.30, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, throw perfect. Throw up the microwave and yep. there was breakfast, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So that's how I, I found mm. that that helped me doing mm. it that way. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, as I said, oh, look, I'm really impressed with that too because the other things is that um, unbeknownst to – a lot of shift workers too, like our um, our whole body is, is obviously governed by the circadian rhythm and it's set to that that normal eating pattern that you're sort of referring to. And between, you know, 12 midnight and 6 a.m. in the morning, our, our body is really, um, or our digestive system, should I say, is actually essentially sleeping. Um, and by that I mean that the, you know, our digestive enzymes aren't secreting as much. Insulin production is a lot lower. So the body is actually not able to digest the foods as well when you do eat within that sort of a time frame so and that obviously can you know uh, can cause uh, lead to uh, digestive discomfort and gut problems later on um, and also make you sort of feel even more fatigued because the body's just trying desperately to to um, you know digest these things out of sync or out of kilter to our normal circadian rhythms so you may not realize that um, by doing what you're doing but it's uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed to hear that that is something that you adopted as you said it's something that you felt kind of suited you but um, it, it's definitely a key way to to um, you know trying to eat well when working shift work so yeah kudos to you that you worked it out yourself <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> it's. It, uh, I, I just could not um, sit down to a to a huge um, meal at, at one a.m. Mm. I used to see it. Mm. <laughs> it. Yeah, it doesn't sit right, does it? Like literally, <laughs> when you sort of <laughs> see someone and do it. Yeah. It's the other thing too, like um, like airlines, um, locomotive drivers' shifts are never regular. There's no. Yep. You would never start at the same time two days in a row. Very seldom. Yes. Um, yep. So there's no five nights at starting at midnight or anything mm. like that to me that would be much easier yes yep um, yeah 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 look what well, sounds like you've you've done a, a marvelous job managing um you know your career gym and 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 far out you know over 50 years is mind-blowing it's 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 quite extraordinary that you know that you you know worked for that long um, you know, having sort of fairly recently retired. And actually we were sort of discussing um, sort of you know, when we were sort of messaging each other uh, on Facebook, but the, you do have a, a fellow colleague that worked even longer than that. Yes, he is. In fact, he retired in April this this year at, uh, yep. after six, 68 years of shift work. 68 that, years. You know, I don't think that could ever be um, beaten, to be honest. No way. He was just, he turned 86, I think, a couple of days before he retired. Okay, yep. And he had done shift work for uh, all his 68 years he'd been a railway man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, quite astounding. That is, yeah, that's, I'm blown away when you said that you'd done 53 years and, yeah, 68, (laughs) that just does my head in even more as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. Are as well, so yeah, fan- amazing, amazing. Uh, you um, you mentioned that uh, Jim that you spent seven years as a FIFO, or that's kind of called fly in, fly out workout. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Which um, I know 
can present many challenges, I guess, in particular having to spend, you know, time away from your family is, is probably one of the big ones. But how did you go managing, you know, this particular area of working 24-7? Yeah, I um, I actually enjoyed the FIFO. It's uh-huh. something something I would never recommend for a young person with a young family. I don't think it suits. I I yep. was older. It was only Shirley and I here. Yep. Um And that does. And it was two weeks on and two weeks off, which is a good a good swing. You get a good break for the two weeks off. Mm. I think some of them doing these nine and five and uh, like nine days on and five days off. They're hardly home and they're going back again. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, there are problems with the fly and fly out. But I think some of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, I did it because I enjoyed it. Um, others are doing it because perhaps they have to financially, and uh, that's all the wrong reasons. They don't like to like it up there, and they're um, they're not happy, uh, and that doesn't work. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, they sort of you've got that. That sort of a um, yeah, that sort of a negative feeling before you've even started because you don't want to be there, but you feel like they're maybe they maybe they feel a little bit trapped in doing it, as you said, because of they're sort of um, because for financial reasons, would that be right? Yes, yes, I think so. Yes. Mm. Um, when I first started the FIFO, believe it or not, I was doing it from New Zealand. I lived over there for a, for a year or so. Oh, okay, yep. So I was flying every two weeks from New Zealand to Port Hedland. Wow. Oh, oh, I see. Wow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's at least two flights. Yes, it was. Mm. Uh, but still, and and at that time, it would never happen. Now we were doing fifty six days on, and fifty six off. Um, I don't think they would allow that now. Oh, wow. Okay, so this wasn't the two two weeks on, two uh, weeks off kind of scenario. Two, yeah, two months on, two months off. Goodness, um, it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're having, but you're having days off though, in Port Hedland. I take it. Well, I was actually at a remote um, mining camp, and yeah, yes, we did. Although one one period, I did go the whole fifty six without a day off. <gasps> uh, wow. Which again, which again uh, is not allowed now. Yeah. They wouldn't. Um, that would not. be. Permitted, no. Yeah, and understandably so too, I think. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, for a multitude of reasons that we could talk about. But, um, yeah, wow. Wow, wow. So, um, well, on the, on the, still on the topic of FIFO then, Jim, you know, having had your experience, even though it was, you know, um, when you were older and as you said that you've kind of enjoyed it and were able to enjoy it for the reasons that you could. But if there's any um, FIFO... Uh, listeners um, on the on the call at the moment, could you like? Is there any tips that you could share um, for anybody that might actually be struggling with that sort of FIFO lifestyle? Look, really, um, <laughs> it's probably they've probably heard it before. If they don't like it, um, just get out of it. Because yeah. I did see, I did see a few sad cases at the remote mining camps when I was there. They, people just couldn't handle it. They just, you know, it's, I think mainly with the younger ones, too, it's, they're more worried what's happening at home. Um, and if there is a problem at home, they're so far away from it all, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think, what was I when I started FIFO? I was over 60, I think, then. So, um, <laughs> Spring chicken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, for me, it was a lifestyle that I enjoyed. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So sure. yeah. I missed Shirley, of course. We'd mm-hmm. only we've only been married five years now. We're both late um because of circumstances at second marriages. So, yep. Yep. You know. Yeah. And um, we were together when I was doing that FIFO. Right. Mm. Yeah. I guess that so it's it's very individual then and I and maybe your recommendation is yeah to if as you said if you're not happy then then go and find somewhere else but yeah maybe just start the cogs working like get things moving and looking at different ways maybe to upskill because it, you know obviously quitting is not like just like that it's not realistic mm. for a lot of people um, no. but maybe just starting to look at different ways um, that they can yeah upskill improve their qualifications and, and look at doing so that they can come back and apply for something else that maybe Yes, there's something that they may enjoy more, better hours, so they can be home with their friend, you know, family, um, a bit more. So, yeah, that sort of thing. Do you agree? Yes, yeah, I do, and of course, <laughs> of course, um, the like to me, the life at the camp was pretty good. The meals, the catering, and all that was good. But when you're younger, I think some of these things don't quite are not quite what you like. No, you, oh, okay. you, you might prefer to be near a KFC or something, or oh, oh, okay, <laughs> yes, is that right? Yes. Okay, because you know they get sick of the menu and they get sick of this and sick of the rules with the drug tests and uh, things that probably would worry an, an older person. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Understanding what you where you're coming from. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so on a, a a slightly different topic, then you retired um, from shift work. Jim in October 2014, which interestingly was the same month and year that I left Qantas. Um, mm. But I won't say that I'm retired, even though I do have a retired staff ID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that was after working 21 years uh, in the airline industry and equated to 18 years of working shift work. For you, as I mentioned earlier, it was after 53 years in seven months, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> to be precise. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Of working 24-7, which is incredibly um, inspiring. And just for obviously from talking to you, though, it's because you loved your job and you loved what you what you did and, you know, it was a, like a paid hobby um, for you, which, yeah, that's a, a totally different mindset, um, which is wonderful. But how – so because of that, how – like how was your last day? Because – I would think after something like that, it's been, you know, and I, I refer to this a little bit, you know, our shift workers really do become like family, um, you know, to a certain amount because we spend a lot of those, you know, precious, um, you know, family time, you know, days together like Christmas and Boxing Day and Easter and all the you know, school holidays and that we might actually be spending more time with our workmates and our own family. So, yeah, our, our workmates can sometimes become a little bit, like family and obviously lifelong friends. Can you, you know, yeah, so how was your last day? Well, it was interesting in the fact that there was two of us actually retiring on the same day. One was only a young fella. He was only in his 60s. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep. And on that particular day, there was a, a commemorative Anzac train, um, although it wasn't Anzac time of the year. Yeah. It was a special event over here in West Australia for the um, soldiers who left from West Australia. So they ran a special Anzac train. Uh-huh. And 
myself and the other old retiree were chosen to um, operate that train. So that was quite a oh, quite an cool. honour. Yeah, yeah, that was our last day, and uh, yeah, I did feel a bit indifferent. But <laughs> I arrived home about three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, and I said to Shirley, you know, that's it. And unbelievably, the phone rang, and it's a guy from the Pilbara. Was I interested in six months? <laughs> Work, I should know. Oh, you're joking. I have finished. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was just rather strange that the very day I stepped down, he heard most of social media, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Would you like to come up here for construction for three months, for six months? I said, No. And Uh, I said it quite firmly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Highly sought after, Jim. Obviously, a very good driver. Oh gosh! Yeah, no, no. It was um. I was ready to retire. I often yep. wondered would I ever be ready, but I was ready. Yeah. Yeah, I thought no, this is it now. Yeah. But um, we have a gathering every three months in Perth here for all the old retired railway men, and that is um. It's always good to go along and catch up with them all and see how they're all going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of catching up with yeah with your old friends and, and as I said, family to a certain. Yeah, they are family. Railway it mm. used to be family. It's not so much now. Mm. It was a huge family once. Yeah, yeah. I think where there was, I'm only guessing, around over twenty thousand working for the railways in West Australia. There's probably hardly more than a thousand now. So it's a right? very small family now. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. So yeah, there's probably- actual less trains. Uh, no, just the less need for so many, like the country stations have gone, all that sort oh, of Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll be the same in Queensland, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Well, I'm, well then I'm, I'm sure your last day was, was pretty memorable, though, and you probably got lots of hugs and, and so we forth did. on your last yeah. day, I'm assuming, we had both of you. Yes, yes. And, um, and funny enough, the other chap, Dave, that retired on the same day, he's a very keen railway enthusiast too. He took off riding trains around the world for the first three or four months when he retired. So uh, That's a great idea. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, Shirley and I were married on a train five years ago in Tennessee. So, <laughs> oh, Of course. Of course yes, you're going to do something like that, aren't you? <laughs> yes, where else? Yeah. What does Shirley think? Has she got like a background in trains? Not really, but she's um yeah she has now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Well, look, this has been really um, incredibly insightful, Jim. Um, as I said, I, I I don't actually know much about you know your industry, so it's awesome to talk to somebody that spent so long um, in that industry, and it's something that you're quite passionate about, something that you quite enjoy. Um, which is wonderful. But before I wrap up the podcast, um, I am a bit of a mad traveller and um, so I'm always quite interested to hear what my guests' uh, all-time favourite holiday destinations are um, and why. Could you share um, with us what your favourite part of the world is? Well, we do love the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirley and I, we have a love of country music and trains, which go together anyhow. Uh-huh. Uh, so... But, um, of course, second choice will always be home. I go home probably once a year back to New Zealand. Yep. Because I've still got family over there. Yep. Uh, no, yeah. So and anywhere always, in particular in the States or, or New uh, Zealand for that matter? No, in the States, mainly Texas and through um, like we go to Nashville and ah. 
the country in western camp, towns, yeah. yeah, and where there's plenty of uh, plenty of railroads for me. <laughs> And and uh, we always fly Qantas. <laughs> oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful! Yes. You you ended well there, Jim. <laughs> well, uh, it's 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 is interesting because on this last trip back from New Zealand, I got speaking with one of the Qantas flight attendants, and we were discussing that very thing about sleeping in different beds and shift work. And yeah, she was very interesting. She'd been doing it for some years as well. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, awesome. Very, very lovely lady. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She would have been quite intrigued. Um. Yeah. With your background as well. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Well. Um. Yeah. As I said, you know, this has been great to connect with you, Jim, and to learn, um, you know, more about you and your former occupation. Now it's a former one, uh, and your shift working story. So thank you so very much uh, for being a willing participant on my podcast uh, all the way over there um, in Western Australia. Right, and thank you. Well, that's it for today's edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. And you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.